Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. Boy, it's really hard not to start with. I told you so. It's always hard when we're talking about government abuse, government incompetence, government sales pitch, and fraud by propagandists we call reporters. I told you a long time ago, when I get ready for the show, when I want to look at what's newsworthy, I may pull up American media, but then I always like to cross-reference it with foreign media. This blood clot issue from the vaccine has been something that has been going on for well over a month and a half. Around the world, they knew about the clots. Around the world, they knew that the vaccine was nothing what it was being told to us it was. It is not a cure-all. It is not the the answer to all of our prayers. It will not reestablish some sort of normality after the American system has been broken by a virus, by incompetence, by government failures. That's why whenever they're all on the same page and they tell you something is going to work one way, you can guarantee it's not going to work. You don't have to be George Soros to fade governments and understand you got a bunch of morons selling stuff. They have no idea what it is. And I don't just mean the reporters in Chicago. So when today happened, as disgusted as I, you know, as I was, I wasn't shocked. Were you shocked when it happened? I can't, uh, George, make it so I could play the clip here, will you please? Vaccine has been really undermined by its own reality of failure. We do have breaking news. The CDC and FDA just released a joint statement. I was reading it now that is calling for a pause, an immediate pause in the use of the Johnson & Johnson single-dose coronavirus vaccine. This is after six recipients in the United States developed a rare disorder involving blood clots within about two weeks of the vaccination. Joining us now is Dr. Carlos Del Rio. He's the executive associate dean at Emory University School of Medicine. Now, before we get to the sexually frustrated dweeb in a lab coat that's supposed to have all of the answers because there's a doctor before you say his name. These are people 18 to 48. That's considered the healthy area. They have no idea. Now imagine what, you're, we, what we've done to our elderly by giving them this. And when they say six, when you hear six, times it by a thousand and then multiply that by two and you're probably real close. Because what they've understood is as long as you balkanize the information. Why weren't they telling us this when it happened in Europe? When it happened in Great Britain? When it happened in Australia? This is really nothing new. It's just new to us. Because they'd have to admit they don't know what the hell they're shoving in your arm. 
like doctors sexually frustrated. Brady Health System. This is uh, these adverse side effects, a rare blood clotting in six women, by the way, ages eight to four, 18 to 48. 18 to 48, six women out of 6.8 million doses administered, Dr. Del Rio. So what's your takeaway here? Well, thank you, John. I think the first takeaway is that it's a very rare event. I mean, you're talking about one per million. And Here we go. How come the death by the cause of the virus wasn't presented this way by the sexually frustrated in lab coats? Why wasn't it told this way? Because that's the reality. It's also very rare you die from the damn disease you used as an excuse to shut down our lives for a year. Dummy. But now we're going to hear about how it's extremely rare. You should have all the confidence in the world. After all, this bald son of a gun in a lab coat told you so. When you give millions of doses of vaccines, you will see events like this that you couldn't see in the clinical trial just because, you know, that you didn't have millions of people enrolled. So it probably is related. Which means you're the guinea pig. You. Your mother, your father, your kids, guinea pig. That's exactly what this really means. See, I'll, I'll dissect the con man gypsy speak of the government apparatchik that probably, if I had to guesstimate, personally walked away with his end is probably half a million by the time they get down to these doctors that say everything's fine. It's rare, but I want to congratulate the CDC and the FDA for very quickly jumping on it halting the vaccinations until we know more, and really trying to understand what's going on. I think vaccine safety has always been a priority. Yeah. And I think this is exactly the right move until we understand what's going on. Sure. <laughs> I can't believe you could say it without, being, without laughing. Vaccine safety is always a priority. That's why we cranked this thing out in about seven, eight months, and we told everybody it was going to be fine. I mean, I remember, I think it was, is it pronounced thalidomide? I don't know. I don't have a, a, a lab coat on. I'm not bald and I'm not sexually frustrated, but let's call it thalidomide. It was supposed to be the cure-all back in Europe in the 60s. That's when the kids were born deformed. They didn't think about how it actually worked out with the women that were going to be pregnant or the women that were pregnant. Just like they haven't gotten around to that little statistic here in all of our uh, excitement and glee over a vaccine that they never tested. What's the way forward? Uh, I have a lot of friends who have gotten this vaccine, so uh, I think anyone who has gotten it in the past few weeks want to know what to look out for. Here's what the FDA says. People who've gotten this uh, vaccine in the past few weeks who develop a severe headache, abdominal pain, leg pain, or shortness of breath within three weeks after vaccination should contact their health care provider. That's what they should do. Uh I mean, is it obvious that they don't know what the hell is going on? They're literally giving you something they have not tested significantly. I've said it since the beginning of this. They tested Viagra, which is what keeps that smile on Jill's face. They've tested Viagra for 10 years. And I don't just mean in Washington. They've tested it before they put it for sale. That's a pill about, you know what it's about. Yet this, that they're pumping into every single American, and all they've tried to do the entire time without any knowledge of what it's really going to do to us is get more of us to accept it. They've gotten, they've, here, we've had a, a Pippi Lie stocking. Listen, she's even been marketing the hillbillies. 
We've now, we're now working with more than 4,000 organizations that have signed up so far across the country, including in a number of the states that you mentioned. We're also investing $3 billion to states and community-based organizations to th- strengthen vaccine confidence in the highest risk and hardest hit communities. And often people uh, think of that as just black and brown communities, and that is not. As you've noted, that is also conservative communities, white evangelicals. It's a range of communities around the country. What we found to be most effective is to work with these local organizations. So faith-based organizations, community health organizations, civic leaders and others who can really get this message deeply uh, in communities. We've also had a number of our um, members of our COVID team from Dr. Fauci and uh, and Dr. Collins uh, participate, as an example, participate in a range of media interviews. You know, an example is Dr. Collins participated in the 700 Club. Dr. Nunez-Smith hosted a faith leaders roundtable. We're also so looking for, we've run PSAs on the deadliest catch. We're engaged with NASCAR and country music TV. We're looking for a range of creative. Well, there you go. Three billion on country music, three billion on NASCAR, three billion in advertising of a drug to get you to take it. And the reality is we just started taking it and you got a bit of a problem on your hands. Yet, where is the where is the concern for the healthy people that you've put this in the arm? This is the I remember when this first happened with Trump and he said, let's not make the cure worse than the disease. I think we've surpassed that now. I think it's official and the cure is officially worse than the disease. And I don't just mean the blood clots and the dying and the and the lack of knowledge of exactly what this 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 drug is that they're sticking in the arms of innocent people. How about the other side of it? Anybody kind of want to know, talk about lumber and how a sheet of plywood is $100? The economic devastation, the emotional devastation, the suicide, the depression, the hopelessness. And not to mention, you took a year out of everybody's life, and we only have a life expectancy of 78 if you do everything right. If you don't live like Hunter Biden with the crack every Saturday, you still are supposed to take a year. We're being led by blind mice, and there's a lot more than three of them. So I want to know, do you have confidence in this? Does this make you feel good? The fact that they get the doctor to come on and say, it's very rare. It's a very, very small percentage. He should have been saying that when they first discovered it. 312-642-5600. I want to know how many of you are left that'll take this. Really, that's the question. After all of this, if you're going to take it, call me. 312-642-5600. I'll take your calls and your comments when we get back. All right, apparently Tom Beck joined the union. We're just going to go right to your calls. That's all right. You know what the news is. Here's the news. 16 kids shot on the south side, but they weren't shot by white police officers, so there will be no protests. Black Lives Matter will not go to the south side because, after all, they may disrupt the drug trade. So we're going to go on and pretend that didn't happen. Hopefully we won't top that today. That's the real news. I'm imitating Tom Beck. I'm not as good looking, and I don't wear a hat like I was a detective from the 40s. Now we're going to take your calls. Tom Sherville. How are you, Tom? Yeah, Sean, yeah, for years and years, progressives had said, don't trust pharmaceutical companies. Now they want people like me to bow down to them and shut up and be a lab rat. Tom, it is unbelievable to me that they would ask us to test something that the entire world knows was rushed. And here's the other thing. It was pre-bought, pre-paid for. Money was sent out. I'm not suggesting that they want to do bad to us. I'm not in that category yet. However, what I will say is, don't you think we should have maybe, maybe looked at it a little bit more 
before we said, maybe now we're going to start doing our 12-year-olds. Did you see just a week ago? There's a push. They want me to put this in my in a 12 year old. I don't have a 12 year old. But if I did, you could damn well believe I'd take that kid to Costa Rica before I put that in her arm. You'll have to forgive yeah, me. I only sympathize with girls. It needs to, they, they need to slow this whole thing down and just, you know, just stop rushing it. There are no adults left, Tom. Thanks for the call. I appreciate you taking the time. You know that. Teresa on the north side. She's very faithful. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Sean. Um, You know, as far as the vaccine goes, I will not take it. Uh, I had COVID. I was hospitalized for it briefly um, on oxygen. I recovered. And these drugs are experimental, just like so many drugs are. And And remember how how, how they had body. Uh Remember how they had positive um, um, effects from drugs that had been around for decades that they didn't want yes. anybody to take because Trump had mentioned it. And all yes. of a sudden, those, were, those drugs that had been around for half a century, they were dangerous and they weren't sure how it was going to affect us. But now they've got the problems and they're lying about them because they're trying to balkanize the information and keep it country by country rather than saying, wait a minute, we got a, we got a problem happening in Europe. Let's hold off here in America. It is amazing to me that people cannot see, as far as I'm concerned, there's a reason they call it practicing medicine. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Exactly. Exactly. It is a practice. That's exactly what it is. uh, They don't have a hold on anything. When your government mandates participation, it's not a practice anymore. It's an experiment. Thank you very much. I appreciate it for calling the show. Oh, look at this. Chuck in Dullivan, Wisconsin. You're up awful early. Yeah, I know. I'll do crystal meth before I take a shot. I got to tell you something. You said it six months ago, bud. My body, my choice. I know a janitor. He's 23 years old. He works at Abbott Labs. He said none of the guys, all the big shots at Abbott Labs will take the shot. So there's something going on here. And you got to investigate it, Sean. I'm relying on you to get it straightened out. All right, I'm on it. I'm, I'm, I'm t- I got a tanning break coming up tomorrow. I'm going to work on it for a good 20, 30 minutes. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate it. The saddest part is, Chuck's right. The closest you're going to get to an investigative reporter is somebody who speaks on the microphone about being suspicious. That's the kind of world we live in today. There are no adults anymore. Pisaki, after all, she's more concerned with advertising it. On NASCAR, <laughs> I mean, she's basically condescending. Look, we even went after those people who watch NASCAR. We're throwing $3 billion in advertising. George, make it so I could hit the button, will you? I want to play, the, I want to play uh, him asking the doctor. Right. So, Dr. Del Rio, are you concerned at all, though, that people are going to see this and say, well, you know, I've been nervous about getting a vaccine. This justifies my anxiety. Well, I think, you know, the concern about any side effects is that they will, it would likely, as you say, potentially increase vaccine hesitancy. But again, I want to emphasize that the risk-benefit ratio is way in favor of benefit. There's the doctor, do no harm. Way in favor. Well, what about the people that died? What about the people with the blood clots? Ah, it'll be all right. Sure, this is a doctor. Hippocratic old, my perfect derriere he didn't swear to anything and if he did he meant it about as much as the senators and congressmen that swore to uphold the constitution the lying fraud melvin northwest suburbs hey sean how you doing long time listener first time caller thank you buddy. uh that that doctor today that uh made that comment about one in a million on deaths i i, I gotta tell you I, I felt like a car hit me that guy uh as if that person didn't matter 
as if that person had no meaning. And we don't know if that person was 18 to 48 because they like to speak in that car salesman. Don't worry, the undercoating is going to be fine. It'll protect you against the rust. They don't want to speak in specificity. That's somebody's mother, daughter, father. We don't know. And like, of, like they out. meant nothing. Sean, I'm out of Silicon Valley uh, companies for many decades, and, you know, the world is gone, the Internet. You're seeing what all this technology is doing to us. Keep in mind that IP is zeros and ones. That's all it is. Yeah. And I, I believe that you're being digitized. And question to you, what do you think you'll end up being? The zero or the one. <laughs> well, I, I know what I'll be. I'm, I'm going to be the anarchist because I'm the enemy of the state. Thank you, Melvin. I appreciate it. And the, re the reality is they speak about these people like Stalin. One death is a tragedy, a million a statistic. They could give a rip about the people that died. But the people who get COVID, that's who matters. This COVID has been the greatest weapon of the tyrant in the history of mankind. They did to this country what no enemy could have done. They broke it. Rusty, Lakeview. Yeah, Sean, I've got an interesting uh, situation that I'm in here. So, me and guy, 32, healthy, never in a million years would I have thought that I'd get the uh, vaccine, nor did I plan to. But the in-laws and the family, they uh, coerced me into getting the Johnson & Johnson one on Thursday. Uh, oh, none, of, none of my family uh, got the vaccine, nor did they plan to. But here I am now, the, uh, the odd one out. So... I've got it, and uh, see what happens. Will you keep us posted here, Rusty? And I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for you, kid. And, and listen, I'm sympathetic to you. I love my in-laws like they were my own parents. I see no difference in them. I'm proud of them, and I, I value their opinion. And I, I get how this could happen, but they also know I'm stubborn enough that I would have said, "Ma, Dad, I love you." And nobody loves you more, but I ain't putting it in my body. My body, my choice, just like the mothers do who kill their kids. Thank you, Rusty. I appreciate it very much. See, and that's what we call it. We call it killing kids. It's unvarnished. You want to hide behind words? You're going to have to do it up and down the dial. You can't do it with me. Mary, Midway. Oh, Sean, I feel like I caught you in a faux pas almost because you keep saying, oh, they took a year out of our life. I wish. I mean, it's officially 13 months and counting, and it's, I feel very little is getting back to normal. Oh, a couple seats at a couple restaurants. I mean, everywhere I go, I mean, health clubs, libraries, they all have the yellow police tape, every other people yelling at you if you don't have your mask on. So when you say they took a year out, I think they're going to be taking a a lot more than a year. Mary, I will accept that criticism. You are 100% right. And they, they, they changed the course of, of, of America. They changed the course of every American's life. So it's far greater. I know, because I'm more like you than you, so I knew. It's far greater than, than you. I love it. Thank you so much for calling the show. Correct it, but I love it, because she's absolutely right. I was underselling the devastation by these pseudo-intellectual, self-righteous, self-aggrandizing frauds, Marxist scum pretending to care for humanity until it actually dies off from what they practice. Then they don't care too much. Kind of like in history and all the Marxists before them, all the different versions and the different degrees. Are you a socialist? Mm, I don't know. Are you are you a, a democratic socialist? Ooh, that sounds good. Maybe I'll be with that. Are you a communist? No, those come with uniforms. It's all from the same seed. It's all the same tree of tyranny. Angela Burbank. Hey, Sean, you're the best. Thank you. I got two points. I could probably make multiple more. But first of all, why would anybody trust Johnson & Johnson, who's currently dealing with multiple lawsuits from their talcum powder issues? Remember, the women. The one. women. How many women? They settled the lawsuit. Here, shut up, honey. Go away. Here's a little walking around yeah. money. Yeah. Uh, Lawyers day, cash out. Remember when cigarettes were good for you? I remember those days, too. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, and this is the most frightening thing, and I will say it. If you think COVID virus and vaccines are the only things they've been lying to you about this year, wait till you catch up the past 20 to 30. It ain't good, and it ain't pretty in healthcare. I don't care what anybody says. Angela, thank you so much for calling. But resist, we must. I'll be back with the rest of your calls after this break. I will tell you this. When I was railing against the idea that anybody with an IQ over 60 would vote for this dimwit in diapers pretending to be capable of running anything, of parallel parking a car, let alone pretending to be a president, I thought for sure people would reflect on the fact that one consistent failure that this moron had was foreign policy. Literally everything Joe Biden supported was exactly the opposite of right. He can be traced down to arming the Taliban, to supporting even bad policies by Republicans, to any interventionist, any phony troop, uh, uh, they're fighting for American freedoms. This from a guy, by the way, who got five deferments from Vietnam after he played college sports. Ah, he, He didn't feel too good after that. But right up until then, hell of an athlete. Anyway... This buffoon, this corrupt moron, has been wrong for 47 years. And the one thing I really liked about Donald Trump was the idea he was not an interventionist. He did not want to send boys and girls now away to foreign lands to die in foreign sewers for the idea that they were fighting for somehow our liberty and our freedom. When, moreover, history has proven they're fighting for our corrupt corporatist frauds and their bottom line and their profits. And you could trace that all the way back, especially to Vietnam. So I never bought any of that nonsense where they blindfold you with a flag to get you to send your kids to some foreign land to build up stock values. So I thought for sure by that time, by this time of our history being proven as to exactly what our foreign interventionist has really led to and meant and the historical fact of what it's proven, not to mention the trillions upon trillions of wasted expense bore by we the people. I thought there wouldn't be anybody that would even entertain the idea of this idiot running anything. But here we are by hook or crook Democrats. Don't worry about if you're voting, if you're alive, if you're dead. Ah, we'll audit the machines when we get around to it. Here we are in the reality of a Biden usurper administration and it's real and the threats out there are real so when he pulls a stunt and this is a stunt that he's going to take troops out of afghanistan on by september 11th mirroring a policy that donald trump really wanted to implement and i feel deep in my bones many corporatist corrupt republicans couldn't stand the idea We were going to stop those contributions by those war machine, that industrial complex we pretend doesn't exist anymore because we don't like that phrase. It makes us cringe. The military industrial complex. That's the greatest scam in America. But don't worry, they'll be overtaken by the green energy movement. But that for a later show. So even some Democrats had kind of realized this. Now, they were mainly Democrats who thought they were Kennedy Democrats and who, um, really flew the Democrat flag under that ideology of what the Kennedy Democrats stood for. They don't exist anymore. And if you mention them, they're cut out of their party as well. And I felt that Tulsi Gabbard really exemplified that. 
I felt that she was. I've never voted for a Democrat in my life. I'm very proud of that. But if I ever were to, it would be somebody who had the principles of Tulsi uh, Gabbard, in, in particular with her foreign policies. She was on Tucker. Now, I don't watch a lot of Fox News. I told you when Rupert Mur- Murdoch started dating the, the Chinese spy slash model that we pretended was his third wife, I, I, I never really cared for Fox. I didn't, I didn't get caught up in the hoopla. So I only watch a handful of shows. And one of them that I watch is Tucker Carlson. Well, he had uh, Tulsi on yesterday to expose what really the agenda of the Democrat Party and Biden really is. Well, we've been arguing about pronouns here in the United States and wondering why two by fours now cost nine dollars a piece. There's real drama unfolding in Europe. Tensions between Ukraine and Russia are the highest they have been in a very long time. And we get some sense that there are political elements. Now, for three years, we talked about Russiagate. For three years, Russia was in the forefront of all of our media. CNN spent, what, 12 of the 24 hours covering Vladimir Putin, his activities, what was going on, and how Trump was in collusion with him. Why don't they talk about this now? We have some real spice going on over there in the Ukraine with Russia. We got some spice going on with China and Taiwan. We've got some spice going on all over the country. But Biden's in charge, so you'll know about it when you start to see mushroom clouds. It's mostly in the Democratic Party, not exclusively, though, who would like to see a war in Europe. What is this and how concerned should we be about it? Kelsey Gabbard has paid a lot of attention to this. She's a former member of Congress from the state of Hawaii. We're happy to have her on tonight. Congressman, thanks so much for coming on. So is this conflict moving toward war and are there leaders in this country who would like to see that, do you think? It is moving in a very dangerous direction. And the question for the American people is, are we willing to go to war with Russia on behalf of Ukraine? And we need to understand that such a war would come at a cost beyond anything that we can really imagine. Because this is not a war that that is just, okay, this is going to be something that's happening to someone else somewhere else on the other side of the world. No, this is something that will directly impact me and you, Tucker, every single one of your viewers. Now, to her broader point, what she's talking about is how Russia has perfected nuclear weapons. All of those things everybody fears that Iran can be capable of one day in the future when the cult leaders somehow pull their head out of their derriere. Now, this is real. Vladimir Putin's got the stuff. He's as proficient at it as we are. And all of our loved ones. And this is this is a a war that is not a game. It's a war in which there are no winners because you've got, you know, thousands of nuclear weapons that the United States has aimed towards Russia. Russia has thousands of nuclear weapons aimed towards us that could hit any town or city in America in less than 30 minutes. But the headline on every paper, go on any any news outlet through your Internet, go on anything. Biden's going to pull troops out of Afghanistan. Yeah, because he needs them in other places should be the, the, the end of that headline. They want you to believe that Biden is going to help us with foreign affairs, aside from funding Iran. Biden is the greatest asset to the enemies of America, and he always has been. And exact a cost upon every one of us that would result in excruciating death and suffering beyond comprehension. Hundreds of millions of people dying and suffering, seeing their flesh being burned from from their bones. This is something that 
that, that you, know, you can't really even imagine, uh, and, and it's a cost that, that we will all pay. Now, at first, I, I said to myself, oh, she's being a little dramatic there, right? Man, oh, man, she's being a little dramatic. But then I thought about the fact she's a veteran, and I thought about the fact she actually saw war. In fact, the war that... Uh, Biden and, and Obama, when they were bombing drone strikes and 90 percent of them were wrong and hitting innocent people, she actually saw the people with their skin ripped off. That's what it really looks like. We're spoiled brats here. We're spoiled, sequestered fools. We have no idea what the new weapons are capable of. These people in the Middle East who who Joe Biden and, and Barack Obama were bombing these innocent people, they could tell you what the what the weapons do. I could tell you what war really looks like. In fact, most of the people around the world could. You know who can't tell you? American Marxists, American morons, American never-Trumpers. They can't tell you what war looks like. None of them. Not even our own little Adam Kinzinger in his fly suit. Because when he was, if, if he participated, when he participated, he participated from 30,000 feet. Tulsi was walking the ground. So maybe it sounds dramatic. It did to me in the beginning. But then I thought about who she is and what she must have seen. Why in the world would we ever contemplate going to war with Russia, honestly? It, it is one that we should not do for those very reasons. Yeah. If you look at the, the impacts of what a nuclear war brings, it really brings about the end of the world as we know it. And our leaders should understand this consequence and take it seriously. And this is why President Biden, instead of continuing to escalate tensions and continuing this new Cold War between the United States and Russia, he needs to de-escalate these tensions, kind of, you know, t- take the heat out of it and actually focus on bringing an end to this new Cold War, because if he doesn't, then it's not a question of if we go to war with Russia, if this war ends up with a, with a nuclear holocaust. It really is then just a question of when. So here's my question to you. Do you sleep better at night knowing that this diaper-wearing dimwit, clearly signs of dementia, is in control, and his Marxist cabal of gypsies, or did you sleep better when Donald Trump was in office. And would you sleep better if Porky Pig was in office? And I don't mean Pritzker. I mean the real cartoon character. Which would you prefer? The cartoon character Porky Pig, Donald Trump, or Diapers Biden? 312-642-5600. I'll take your answers when I get back. All right, we searched long and hard for Ukrainian music. We couldn't find it. I didn't feel the timing was right to play the Seinfeld clip because I, too, know people from the Ukraine. This is very, very serious. And uh, lo and behold, we got a caller, Nick from the northwest side, who has family in Ukraine. Nick, thanks for calling the show. How are you? Oh, yeah, my pleasure. I've been listening to you regularly because uh, since you've been on, what is it, like five weeks now? Uh, I just love some of your callers, too, listening to them. They're very uh uh, you know, knowledgeable and very interesting. Look, I was telling the screener that my father's Ukrainian, my mother was Polish from Western Ukraine. They left through Stalin's famine as punishment for trying to be independent uh, from the uh, USSR, which is um, the correct term uh, yeah. at that time. And uh, they uh, left through uh, Hitler's invasion of the so-called Western Front, which is against the USSR, included uh, Ukraine, and, uh, just eight years after the famine. Uh, but Ukraine is a lot more important than people realize, and I'm not saying that, you know, for any particular interest. My father's dead, my mother's dead, and I, I have no gain or loss either way, except personally trying to make people aware that on the western border, there are five NATO countries that border Ukraine. And I said that after the Kiev uprising and the Maidan is called, uh, that 
this thing is not over with. Putin will not allow Ukraine to go to NATO, and he will make sure that he uh, takes that eastern part, I said, where a lot of Russian people live, so he can keep that occupied going down to Crimea. Crimea used to be Russian, where also that port in Sevastopol there is, to this day, for 300 years, is Russian, but they used to be Russian in 1954 when Khrushchev gave it, a year after he came in after Stalin, Khrushchev decided to give it to Ukraine. Now, I would have just left it alone because the port again, now Sebastopol was well, Russian, also, and they needed that land. So the, it's, a, it's a mess. It, I'll tell you what's going to be done. Uh, no matter even if Trump was in charge, basically nobody's going to do anything about it because what did, what did Putin say with Crimea? He said, if you don't like it, I'll go to war with you. And what happened? People backed off, you see? And well, here's the thing. Happen. I don't care He's, Putin's trying to reassemble the Soviet Union. That's what he's trying to do. He knew when Trump was in there, it wasn't going to happen. That's why he didn't make this play until he knew diapers Biden was there. Because what he also knows is Biden can't make a correct decision to save his rotten soul. So he's playing the game of let's put together the Soviet Union. Because you know what else happened in Crimea? He built a, a palace there already. That's that's the equivalent of a Bond villain. So he got his way there, and he's going to get his way here. And the problem is the Democrats, and, 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 and I'm not uh, saying Tulsi Gibbard specifically, but the Democrats aren't going to do a damn thing. They're not going to do anything. And they know that. Because what they're good for is having wars that really bolster companies of, of American enemies. They'll do everything to enrich these countries who have one commodity to export. One. Joe Biden, if you look at every policy he's gone forward from the minute he got into office, was a tremendous asset to Middle Eastern oil. The first thing he did was make it so that our oil went more expensive and we stopped really becoming what we were on track to be, which is the world leader and exporter in energy. He stopped that. And it benefited all of our enemies. And now he's going to put together that so-called Iran deal, which is really quite a deal if you're one of the Iranian theocrats. It's a great deal for you. Not so much for we, the people of America. Because what Joe Biden has managed to do is everything that's exactly the worst thing for America. This is the most anti-American president ever to be in charge of the country. The most corrupt, the most incompetent, and the only one that I'm aware of with the Penza. We'll be back after this. streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc. He's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government with a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other. He's Sean Thompson. And this is the Sean Thompson Show. Oh, 
most of us have identified for many decades now the problem of how Marxism has gained popularity in this country and how it's been successfully used to undermine American principles and Americanism is in schools. Specifically, it started in colleges and then it spread to the others. So it's always refreshing to see somebody who was a uh, former university president. He's also the author of books titled Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, and in the other national bestseller, Not a Daycare. I'm very proud to bring on Dr. Everett Piper. Dr. Everett Piper, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm honored. Well, uh, I'm honored because I've heard you speak before, and um, I'm very impressed with you. And it's a shame there aren't more people that run colleges like you that we could turn our kids over to. I'm one of these people who has who have done this. And I understood exactly what was happening as it was happening to my own kids. I hopefully have influenced them enough to where it didn't take hold. And I didn't raise snowflakes, although I have girls, and you never really know. But now that they've graduated and they're out in the country, what are your thoughts on it? And what are your thoughts on if we can save it? Well, I think I'd answer your question twofold. In my book that I I, think I talked to you about before on your show in 2017, it was titled Not a Daycare, and that was a book where I sounded a warning. I rang the bell and said, the cancel culture, the snowflake rebellion, will not stay at Berkman Brown. The ideas that these kids on these prestigious campuses are expressing of microaggressions and trigger warnings and intersectionality and uh, identity politics and you offended me and therefore you should be silenced and you should be expelled. All of these childish ideas that were being perpetuated back in 2015, 16, and 17, I said then, it won't stay here because these kids will graduate and they will end up in our, they'll move from the classroom to the corporate boardroom, and they will start exercising their authority over you by doing the exact same thing. And here we are, you've got Google and Apple and Twitter and even Major League Baseball, and the list goes on and on and on, where snowflakes have left the college campus and they're now in the corporate arena canceling you and canceling me because their feelings have been hurt. They don't care about the facts. All they care about is their feelings. That was in 2017. In my book that was released today, Grow Up, Life Isn't, But It's Good, I'm suggesting there's a solution. The problem was garbage in, garbage out. Well, the solution is goodness in and goodness out. We need to stop teaching narcissism, maybe, and think about teaching natural law. Or how about this? Stop teaching self-absorption and start teaching self-evident truths that are endowed to us by our Creator. If we recognize that the classroom does impact the culture, then maybe we ought to go back to the classroom and recover the high ground of truth with a capital T rather than celebrating everybody's opinion. Now that we're being ruled by these self-righteous tyrants, I mean, this is what I've always called them. I've been astonished uh, since I was a young man about how how self-righteous tyrants were just being produced by colleges around the country and how comfortable they were with taking away somebody's rights and dignity because they were certain that they could rule them or create systems that did better than freedom and Americanism and capitalism. I know that um, historically there always has been a percentage of kids that rebel. They're contrarians by nature. I kind of have been relying on the idea that maybe through their own virtuous selfishness, it would kind of, they would push back 
are there enough left or are we, and I include myself in that virtuous, selfish person, are we numbered too small and only destined to be victims? Um, well, I'm a Christian, so I'm going to answer you in the context of my Christianity and my faith in what Jesus has promised. Christ has told us that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church, his remnant, his true followers. At the end of the day, we know who wins. I know who wins. Now, between now and then, <laughs> we may have a couple battle scars to suffer. But here's the thing. I'm going to wave the banner of the truth. I'm going to wave it high. I'm going to wave the banner of biblical virtue. I'm going to wave the banner of the Judeo-Christian ethic. I'm going to wave the banner of goodness, true goodness, rather than safety, selfish safety. I'm going to wave that banner. And if I win waving that banner, great. That's God's grace. If I lose waving that banner, I don't care. I'm willing to go down fighting. Because if you're not willing to lose for something, the big things, then you're never going to win anything. You've got to be willing to lose if you ever think that you're going to gain victory in the ultimate battle. So I say, wave the banner because it's the right banner to wave. Don't necessarily make temporal victory your ultimate goal, because at the end of the day, I win. No, and I, I, I feel that way about everything. That's how I view life. But I don't do it necessarily with the, the shield of religion. I do it with the shield of the principles of the Enlightenment and the principles of Americanism. When you see these kids reject those principles, when you see those, those ideas be ridiculed, do you feel that that's exactly what happened with Christianity, along with Christians not helping themselves, in particular the, the swindler Christians of, the, of the, uh, the South churches and whatnot? Do you think that we still can come together as people, religious and not, but still with those principles of unalienable rights, whether they're from my creator or they're recognized from life itself. Is well, there still enough yeah. of us in this country or around the world? There are enough of us if we acknowledge what C.S. Lewis told us about your ultimate question. I hear your question basically um, grounded in this uh, principle. You have to have a measuring rod outside of those things being measured, or you can do no measuring, C.S. Lewis. In other words, the Enlightenment argued that there were things that should enlighten us, and those things weren't selfish opinions. Those things were ultimate realities. Now, you could have argued that those were realities that were the revelation of God, or you could have argued that those realities were empirical things that you could taste and touch and see and feel. You're talking the difference between pre-modernity and modernity, in my right. view there. But ultimately, in either one of those cases, you're acknowledging that truth exists. Today, we deny that it's even real. Nothing is real other than our feelings. Mm -hmm. So when you see a system, you know, I, I feel that they're also, to a certain extent, playing the failure of the system they created with college. They've created this system where the costs of it are so exorbitant that the kids must really, if, they, if their parents don't pay for it, uh, if they don't have the ability to get the money, they must put themselves in debt. So you have the very people who created this system that drove massive costs of college. Now they're saying, you deserve that for free. Are they going to be lured by the, by the story of Marxism 
without paying attention to the reality of it. Oh, absolutely. They already are. As you well know, and I'm sure you've covered it in your show multiple times, critical race theory is a neo-Marxist movement. Marcuse was a Marxist. They've moved from the conflict, the economic conflict between the proletariat and the bourgeoisie to a class conflict, a color conflict between blacks and whites. It's the same thing. It's conflict. It needs to be resolved through war, whether it be physical war or cultural war. This is where we are today. And these kids, kids, whether they're 21-year-olds or 51-year-olds, they haven't grown up and realized that selfishness never solves anything. Somebody will come in and offer you candy in order to control you. And if you're a child, and if that's all you want is to be taken care of, to get your candy, to be mm-hmm. safe and comfortable and never confronted and never challenged, then there's always a despot out there that's willing to give that to you. I mean, my land, Hitler did that. Uh, Mussolini did that. Pol Pot did that. Robespierre did that. All the despots of history understood this principle that you can control people if they are self-centered. You can't control people if they're centered on something bigger than themselves. And that bigger thing in the United States has always been those self-evident truths, those truths from outside the individual, not those selfish opinions that you just construct as a kid. You recognize that maybe grandma and grandpa actually knew something in those truths that have endured the test of time may be more important than your chronological snobbery because you just came up with a good idea five seconds ago. It's it's really astonishing to watch. Um, Wasn't it uh, the Montesquieu who recognized the fact that there were that Americans had a certain patriotism and they held that that patriotism and that that idea of unalienable rights jealously and that they were willing to fight off tyrants and he didn't see an American future that was overtaken by uh, Marxist uh, swindlers promising a utopia that he felt that there were enough people even though they weren't maybe specifically educated um, to the highest standards but that they had that sense of american principles to fight off a tyrant when you see the new america in 2021 when people are willing to um, you know enforce government rules and rights uh, on their neighbor in the in the hope that they will get another check another benefit do you think that we've lost that and that he was wrong in his prediction? Well, he, at the time of his prediction and the predictions of others that were similar to it, I mean, you have de Tocqueville, you have the founding fathers who all recognized that the exceptionalism of America was grounded in American virtue, in American respect for veritas, ultimate truths. But when you get rid of truth as your measuring rod, something else is going to play the referee on the game. Somebody else is going to blow the whistle. Now, you've asked me the question multiple times, do we have any hope? I believe there is hope. I believe the problem started in the classroom, garbage in, garbage out. The solution starts in the classroom. It starts in the church. It starts with parenting. I would argue that there are three entities responsible for inculcating culture in our progeny. And those three entities are teachers, preachers, and parents. Teachers should teach truth, not opinions, not feelings, but facts. And preachers should stop affirming everybody and start challenging everyone. I don't want to be affirmed when I go to church. I want to be challenged. I want to be confronted. Why bother going? I can go to the country club if I want to be affirmed. And finally, parenting, this helicopter parenting of giving a great big kumbaya group hug or timeouts to our kids hasn't ended all that well. Stop being your kid's friend and start being your kid's dad. Discipline is synonymous with love. It's not antithetical. 
Oh, I love that you said that because I have one daughter right now that's not talking to me. So thank you for that. Um, I'm also, I'm also <laughs> aware of under the COVID restrictions. I was optimistic. I thought for once people would see exactly the pablum, the Marxist propaganda. These teachers, these these know nothing, twenty four year old you know, spoiled little brats we call teachers were telling kids in that maybe, maybe there would be an uprising of homeschooling, of teachers telling, you know, I dropped my kids off. I sent them to what at the time were considered the best schools in the area. And I would tell them every day before they got out of the car, don't believe a word this moron tells you. I still think that might have helped me because my kids were always suspicious of teachers. Do you think now that that parents are watching what's been happening through this homeschooling? We have an opportunity instead of a bad thing. It might be an opportunity for people to say what are you doing and stop it or we'll start our own well we have seen a dramatic increase in, in homeschooling you know that we've seen a dramatic increase in parents deciding to send their kids to parochial schools and other private schools we know that so one of the reasons has to be they've sat in the living room looking over their kid's shoulder during this uh covid uh, system of education, and they've seen what these teachers are actually saying about the parents. They're degrading and deriding the parents in front of their children, and the parents are watching it. So, yes, we've got a lot of parents that are ticked, and rightfully so. Do we have enough? I guess time will tell. But again, at the end of the day, Churchill didn't care whether or not um, Chamberlain or others were for appeasement. He didn't care. He, he just knew he wasn't. He wasn't going to appease evil. He stood in the face of it, and he said, never give in, never give up, never, never give up. He also said, fight on the beaches and fight in the air and fight on the shores. These things matter. Fighting because you know you're waving the right banner, even though you've got temporal loss, really isn't my concern. It's the long-term game that we need to be concerned with, and that's the subtitle of our book. Pay attention to the first things. Safety is not a first thing. Life isn't safe. The Constitution isn't safe. Freedom isn't safe. Uh, the ivory tower is not safe. The church isn't safe. These good things are not safe. Safety is a secondary thing. Goodness is a primary thing. And an adult understands this. My land, even the Apostle Paul made reference to this in his letter to the Ephesians as well as the Corinthians, because he told both of those churches, stop it, stop it, mm. grow up. He used that language 2,000 years ago. We need to recover the same. Dr. Everett Piper, I want to thank you. Really, it was wonderful. I'm so happy you joined me. It was wonderful. I'm looking forward. Um, I'm, I really prefer and I read much faster when the books are signed by the author to my favorite radio host. But I understand if you can't do it. You can find his information at DrEverettPiper.com. He's also a columnist at The Washington Times. Thank you so much, Doctor, for joining me. Thank you. Honored to be on your show. All right. We'll be back with your calls and comments after this. The saddest part about that whole interview is to think that um, he was the president of a university that retired last year. I think when we turn our kids over to school, we anticipate that the teachers in the school will sound like that, will think like that, will be like that. Instead, what we get are teachers like this. themselves out. The haters did. They are forced to bring awareness to the situation that they are in because other people put them in that situation. My question is, in this case, where is the uh, white suit union? Because, because 
We, we need all race. You need equality. a white student union, Jake. You get everything. If your parent wants to talk to me about their profession and their opinion on their profession, I would love to hear that. I know very little about anything else in the world other than education, okay? However, if your parent wants to come talk to me about how I'm not doing a good enough job in distance learning based on what you need as an individual, just dare them to come at me. Because I'm so sick to my stomach of parents trying to tell educators how to do their job. I have- the idea that that's the reality versus what our concept is of teachers, and this has been the reality of these pseudo-intellectual pretend teachers. These are nothing more than propagandists to statism. These are teachers that are teaching the exact opposite of the principles of their parents. And the reality is now we are living in a world where this, this kind of pablum has been taught to our kids, and now they are out in the world, and they are in charge, or they are working their way through these companies, and they have no problem watching this collapse of the American society happen before our eyes, and in fact, what they're telling us is it's good for us. This is the kind of thing that we thought, arrogantly, could not happen, because we went to work, we did our jobs, and we turned our kids over to a public school system without any thought of what that system was or how it ran. It runs absent of any consequences. They could care less of the, of, of the reality of what these kids think and how they view the idea of learning. It used to be you taught kids how to think. Now they just inundate them with what to think. And the idea, all I kept thinking about when I was interviewing um, Dr. Everett Piper was the fact is what we're saying in America is controversial when we speak of unalienable rights when we speak of the idea that we are not a society ruled by politicians or people who are offended or bullies. We're supposed to be a society in which we rule ourselves. That idea, that concept is passe. It's gone. And now we have teachers that talk to kids, literally telling them from the beginning of the time that that school starts till the end, that their parents don't know what's best and their parent has no input on what they learn. Never once gone to a doctor's appointment and tried to tell my medical health provider how to treat me. You know why? Because I know nothing about that. I didn't get my degree in medicine. Shut up. Shut up. The entire school system needs to be torn asunder. The whole idea that strangers are paying these people and there are no repercussions because this dimwit in California is protected by a union. She can say nothing that will get her fired. Nothing. I think after three years, she gets her tenure. And then all she has to do is wait for the mystical, magical pension she didn't earn, doesn't deserve, and doesn't exist. Underwritten by our tax dollars. 80% of your property tax bill goes to pay a system in which we turn over children and they are told to not listen to parents, to not honor rules of Americanism, and not understand how individuals are not to be controlled or to be beaten. Or there is not an idea of a society where if we just let these people in Washington control it, it's going to be perfect. And your mom and dad are talking old-fashioned principles. It doesn't work that way. 
In fact, if they offend you, if they say that there's a difference between a boy and a girl, if they want you to be raised under an idea of religion, they're idiots. They're wrong. And we're paying endlessly, and it's not going to stop. None of it. In fact, what happens is that is, is teachers and, and educators that think like Dr. Everett Piper, that think like you, that think like me, they're gone. What's left are these Marxist daycare workers. That's all they are. And that's all they're going to spew. Don in Bloomingdale. I'm glad yep. to hear you back on the air. Wal- Professor Walter E. Williams once said, the uh, students in university today that have the lowest SAT and ACT scores are education majors. And here's the proof. Yeah. This is what we get. Yeah, you're exactly right, Don. Thank you so much for the call. That's the other thing. When's the last time a kid failed a grade? I don't ever remember hearing of that lately. I know it was a big problem when I was in school. 312-642-5600. We'll take your calls when I get back. You know, 1978, Jimmy Carter wrote in the law of the Department of Education. It was really an idea of Nixon, proving once again what a great guy he was. Ever since then, boy, oh boy, since 1978, what has happened to education? Aside from the Communist Teachers Union taking over, what's really happened to your kids? Think about the kids that have been educated and put into that system. I complained every day. I sent my kids to private school every day. I complained. I couldn't believe how much money it was until I really saw what the, they were paying in Chicago in that sewer, that ghetto. They were paying 16000 per kid then. Who knows what it is now? They're all getting rich on it. Of course, that explains all of the high-end vehicles in the parking lots of CPS. And it also explains what happens when you hand an eighth grader a paper, how good they are at reading. Mary, Naperville. Hey, Sean. First of all, congratulations on the show. I love you. You thank are you. just marvelous. Oh, thank you so much. So, I love when women say they love me. Go ahead. <laughs> so, anyways, I have a niece that works in another suburban high school district. Okay, not Naperville. All right. But she told me and told us that the teachers were told that they, by administration, that no child can get any lower of a grade than okay so everybody passes with of course nobody fails when, when's the last time you heard of a kid failing no, third grade exactly. fourth grade fifth grade sixth grade no. how can it be you got the, here you're looking at the news when you go home when you watch the news at 10 o'clock there's the products of the chicago public school system ta-da absolutely absolutely and it's just like you said when jimmy carter created that federal program of uh the education that was the down, downhill of the Absolutely. country. Absolutely. It was the biggest system. win for the American Marxists that there could have been. Yeah. The biggest win. Because yeah. they've, they've, they've already taken over so many of the government bureaucracies. They've implanted them. And just look at America since then. Look what's happened. Thank you, Mary, for the yeah. phone call. I love it. Thank you, and thank you for saying I love you. I love it. Kevin Glenview. Kevin, America first, calling back to remind you, you are the best thing on the radio, bar none. But I have a request. Go ahead. Please replay that that interview with dr pippett once a week like the cry of paul revere this is uh, serious stuff people need to hear that thank you kevin i really appreciate it but not everybody liked it there's always a chicago democrat they can't get enough stupid hi george how are you wonderful wonderful okay. i want to hang out with you you can hang out anytime so, but i'm not picking up the well, check 
well, that's okay. Go ahead. So here's my observation. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is? Let me ask you a question. What is the biggest problem that your radio station and your radio agenda has? We cannot cut it out so that dummies in Chicago who vote for Democrats can't listen. I see. Well. Here's my observation on that. Yeah, go whistle out the door. I don't care what your observation is, you Chicago Northside Democrat scum. I don't care what your observation is. What do you got, one of those cushy jobs where you wait, wait for your pension, you pretend you're productive? You don't fool me, dummy. I spot you a mile away. Chicago Mafia Democrats can't get enough corruption, can't get enough failure, and they can't get enough government cheese. They pretend that they earn it when they call up an alderman that they once knew. Maybe their father hung out with. Huh? How you doing? Give me a job. You got a guy? Then you go sit in an incubator, wait for your pension. Then you pretend to be a man. You're not a man. You're a moron. David, Bristol, Wisconsin. How are you? Sean, how you doing? Uh, highlight of my day. couple things. Uh, on the school system, you know, in our family, it's a weekly discussion uh, about what teacher uh, is liberal or conservative uh, and how the, uh, it affects their grades if they find out that you hold certain values and now it's being into the, the vaccination. Uh, we went through it in Oak Park. We went through it in Gurney. And now we're, we deal it on the college level. Uh, so, yeah, it is a disgrace. I 100 percent agree with you on that. Uh, secondly, my friend, you have cojones that bang like the Liberty Bell as far as your cigar <laughs> business oh, and uh, the stance you, know, you took. Yeah. Oh, you mean you're talking about with the, the cigar? Stance you took. I appreciate it because it's you know amazing. What? I didn't want them around. I don't want them around me. I don't want them around me. If you're one of these Democrats, you're a rat son of a dog. I don't want you around me. I don't want my tax money going to support you or your fat kid. I don't want anything to do with you. You have ruined I the country. Agree. It's just despicable. I couldn't Here's agree the more. And the, you know, that business I don't want to hide it anymore either. You embolden us. I appreciate it, David. It doesn't matter. I'm in down in, in, in Studio Xanadu anyway. First broadcast. I'm loving every minute of it. You could have it all. Bart, Bridgeport. Hey, Daddy. I'm always happy to talk to you. Sounding great today. You know, the thing about this, have you ever met anything more common than an educated idiot? These people just keep coming at us, and they're in there with our kids, or in my case, my grandkids soon, running down the police, running down the military, running down the history of this country, you know, taking, and meanwhile, expecting those of us. And you watch on CNN when they roll their eyes about Trump voters being non-college educated white males and everything they want us to pay for all this they want us to forgive their student loans but they run down everything that came before them and it explains it's, it's though, Bart, it explains thank you for the call it explains why they hate capitalism see in capitalism you don't need to go through their rube goldberg mechanisms of phony education They hate that system, that somebody can come to this country in three years, start his own company, and buy and sell them like chiclets. See, they like that system where they need that that Democrat corruption. So they call an alderman in the first ward. Hey, I got a guy. Maybe I drop off an envelope. I get a job. I wait around for 30 years. I get paid. Or maybe, here, I got a kid, went to college. What do you say you make her a teacher? All right, fine. That's how they, they love that system. How somebody can say they're a Democrat in the reality of what the Mafia Party really is, is a disgrace to me.
It's a disgrace. And the ones that sicken me the most are the Chicago Democrats. They actually make me do that dry heave like when I look at Dr. Outwardly, you know, where you, you can't focus and you can't digest. It makes me sick. Candace, Mount Pleasant, Wisconsin. Hi, Sean. Congrats on the show. I learned that you were on at five because I haven't been listening so much lately. I was pole working and I saw this lady. She was super tan and I said, do you live in Florida part-time? And she goes, yes, I live in Naples. And then she kind of hinted that she was conservative. So I whispered off the hallway, do you know who Sean is? Yeah. And she said, Sean's on every night now. But I was like, no way. So I'm Yeah, so I'm loving it. I'm loving it. And, and you know, it's a shame glad. because here's the thing. I, I, I used to love the area. I used to love it. I loved where I lived. I love where the cigars are. Forget about it. It's it, To me, it's over with now. Now we got to come yeah. together philosophically first. We have to come together. We have to make changes changes we have to demand that congressmen take away these 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 logs of marxism and socialism i want to tear it all apart i want to start with socialism i want to start with taking taxes out of checks i want to make sure that the people understand just how much they're paying for these scumbag fraud democrat mafia members to drive around in cadillacs and pretend to be men thank you so much i appreciate it candace greg in lagrange hey sean how are you Wonderful. How are you? You know, I wanted to, great. I wanted to make a point uh, yesterday when you played that teacher going back and forth with that student. I heard it again this morning. And, and the real money quote there, and I wanted to say uh, to you um, tonight, was this teacher basically said to the effect that when I go to the doctor, I just do what the doctor says. I just listen to the experts. Yeah, that they was are hard. destroying independent thought. They're destroying our, they want to destroy, they well, haven't destroyed my. they haven't destroyed yours. They are trying to destroy the average individual from doing their own research, doing their own studying and asking questions. They just mm-hmm. want people that they can move out of the way like a pylon in the middle of a sidewalk. Because and they want to be technocrats. They want to be part of that system where they become important. Because in the real world of capitalism and achievement, they cannot. They hide in this fake world where technocrats, so-called experts, turn up to be 80-year-old failures like Fauci or Biden. These are the people that they worship because they're willing to, to, to follow their commands lockstep without thought. And these are the people that are impressing that upon our children. So like that idiot that called, he said, you know, you're saying what everybody wants to hear. I'm saying what nobody wants to hear. Because what I'm saying is we've been lied to the entire time. You're not free. It's not a free country. It's not the land of the free and the home of the brave. It's none of those things. We've been undermined. Our freedom has been taken away. It's been usurped. Laws have been created by corrupt people as weapons against us to take our money and now our freedom and now our speech. This is the, this is the main thing. Now the speech. So now what, when, you, when you talk against the state... You're, you're full of hate. You're a hate. You speak hate. You're an enemy of the state. I wear that badge well. Because in this day and age, in Chicago, Illinois, of all places, how somebody could still say they're a Democrat. No, no, no. You're not a Democrat. You're a wannabe gangster. And you like it that way. And everybody knows it. And you think people are afraid of the mob. I learned something a long time ago. They're only tough in numbers. One-on-one, they're nothing. And they need to be told that. 312. 642-5600. We'll be back with the rest of your calls after this. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. 
Boy, is that true, huh? What a song that is. So the reality is I, I, I felt this way about these Democrat hubs, these corrupt, mafia-run towns and counties and states, really since I was a kid. Um, when I, I didn't practice real estate, was different. I, I was able to, you know, be free about the country and think about things. When I started to get into real estate, I realized what a disservice you were doing to people by selling them properties where they were paying 80% of taxes that were not attached to land value, but were really attached to corruption. And we're going to pay various fees and corruption that existed in those, in those areas that they were buying the real estate. I couldn't do it. So I hadn't practiced real estate in many years, except when I decided to go sell in Florida where I am right now. And that's what I did. So what I did is I, I look at people buying their home as, as a major purchase that the vast majority of people, that's the most money they're ever going to spend. You owe it to yourself. And you owe it to your kids to make sure you do that properly. So that's why I, I wrote off Illinois because of so many citizens that were either ignorant to it, benefited from it, or were comfortable in the system. It's a shame that you have to look at your fellow Illinois in that way. But I think the reality is obvious. You cannot look at that state, cannot look at the city of Chicago, cannot look at Cook County, where I own real estate still. You can't look at these places and say they're going to turn around when you have a 100 years of the same kind of devastation and corruption that have, has collapsed the great city one time of Chicago. It's now a joke. It's a joke. You think when I do that tease that that doesn't mean something when I say 16 kids got shot yesterday? In two days, 31 kids. I got a nephew that's a policeman in Chicago. I'm terrified for the kid. He's got kids. I'm disgusted at what this corruption has done, and I reject it, and everybody who benefits from it or would promote and sell it. And until everybody feels that way, it's going to go on because the mob is bigger than the one man. But they fear the one man. Believe me, what do you, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to you? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to call you a jerk? You earn it. And the best thing a scumbag can call you is a jerk. Believe me. That's why I relish in it when a Chicago Democrat wants to criticize me, you punk. It'd make me sick. All right. I've had a great time. Be back tomorrow, 5 to 7.